Wherever you go, death will follow. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Without Remorse. Hello and welcome back to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are coming to you on a Tuesday this week for a very special out-of-order bonus episode. Yes, yes. The movie Without Remorse, based on the Tom Clancy book, came out, what, like a month ago at this point? Yeah, two weeks ago. Let's let's go with that. Yeah, we wanted to cover it, and so I I think this will be a new thing where if there's a movie that uh, catches our interest that came out, you know, in theaters, we're going to try to see if we can cover it the weekend of or week after, so we can try to stay current a little. Though in this case, we were delayed because we wanted to bring on our resident Tom Clancy fanboy, Lance. And here Welcome. he is. Welcome, Lance. Hi, everybody. A little bit of behind the scenes. So we're recording this after we've recorded our episode for Clear and Present Danger. But that one will get released later. So if you hear us referring to that, but you have no idea what it is, just wait a few months. It's well worth the wait. <laughs> yes. Of course, Lance has read the book. That's why we have him. Have you, Christian? I have not. I pretty much actually what I know about John Clark or John Kelly, as he is in this most of this movie, is from Clear and Present Danger. And I guess kind of some of all fears. Not Rainbow Sex? No. I mean, I guess I knew he was like in those games and books, but I never played the games and never read those books. Okay, so I have a quick story. My grandmother was a big reader. She's read more than anyone else I know. She'd read all the Tom Clancy books. So when I had started reading them, when I went through the Tom Clancy phase, she said, Zach, they're all great. They're all appropriate for you at any age level, but don't read without remorse. Do not (laughs) read it. It's violent. It's sad. It's scary. It's depressing. Just don't do it. Huh, okay. So I was always kind of curious what happened in it. And now is a great chance to find out. As Zach and I were talking before we got started, like this book in particular, we're kind of comparing it to a little bit of Game of Thrones. Ah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. There is a lot of brutality and violence in in this book. And in this movie, so let's get started. Okay, here is the IMDb brief synopsis. An elite Navy SEAL, as opposed to all those non-elite Navy SEALs. (laughs) Right goes on a path to avenge his wife's murder only to find himself inside of a larger conspiracy. Okay, so we start, and this is pretty cool. So I don't think we know where we are at first. There's just like this body of water. It looks like either a pool or a lake or something. Big giant puddle of water. And there's soldiers surrounding it. And one by one, they get like pulled into the water and killed. So this was like Active Valor. Have you guys seen Active Valor? We've talked yeah. about it briefly, yes. Christian. Oh, we so did? We- it's a movie starring real-life Navy SEALs who oh, are right. not actors. Remember. And you can tell they're not actors. No offense <laughs> to them. Don't come kill me, please. But, <laughs> but there's a the part where it's very similar to this. There's an enemy guy standing on the edge of a pier just waiting to be stealth killed. And one of the Navy SEALs shoots him with a silenced gun. And right when he's about to hit the water, another Grabs Navy him. SEAL caps, uh... like, catches him and then slowly lowers him into the water. Do you remember that, Lance? Oh, yeah. Shout out to my cousin, Sarah. She actually worked on that movie. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. This happened to more soldiers, and then the Navy SEALs emerge from the water and infiltrate this building. And we get to see our credits of, you know, without remorse. And they go from Cyrillic to English, which I thought was a cool transition. Mm -hmm. Didn't they do that in Hunt for Red October 
Bridges not Pies the- or one of these. Uh, no, um, I think in Clear and Present Danger, they did something similar, but instead of using letters, they were using ones and zeros. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, I, what this made me think of, there's a scene in uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol where, you know, Ethan Hunt can read lips and he's like, in, you know, knocked out and sp- people are speaking in Russian and like the subtitles are in Russian. And then as he sort of gains more clarity and he can actually read it, what their lips are saying, it transforms into English subtitles. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Anyway, so we find out this is in Aleppo in Syria, which begs the question of, all right, why Russian if this is Syria? <laughs> we meet Ritter. That's the character from Clear and Present Danger, right? The one who's yes. played by Hen- Henry Cerny, who Kittredge from the first Mission Impossible. Yes, that is, okay. the, that is the same character. Okay. And we also meet uh, Michael B. Jordan's character, John Kelly. Like I said, not John Clark. Okay, that confused me because they don't <laughs> call him by his name until like 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And then I was like, who's John Kelly? Why do they keep talking about John Kelly? I also think it's funny. They changed to Michael B. Jordan, who is black, and he still has a very Irish name. <laughs> That's, I didn't even think about that. Right? I mean, they should have called him, like, Seamus O'Reardon or something. That would have been kind of funny. No, you have to say true to the book, obviously. You do, yeah, yeah. And so we find out the op is to reacquire a hostage who is a CIA operative and who's being held by the Syrian government. And one of the other people here is Karen Greer. And we'll find out her... Well, but once I heard Greer, right. I thought, wait, like Jim Greer? Like, what's his face? Eric James, yeah. James. Yeah, James, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. I forget. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, all right, are they like just doing a gender swap thing? But well, we'll find out. Yeah, I, I wondered that exact same thing too. Because I guess the big thing for me is like, or it was put out by Amazon, but it was supposed to go into theaters. I don't think we actually said that. But it's produced by the same production company that does the Jack Ryan amazon right. show right so i'm wondering if they're actually ever going to tie in or not because jim greer is in that show oh we'll definitely talk about that later <laughs> <laughs> so we meet the rest or kind of meet the rest of her team they infiltrate the building they find the hostage identify them john finds out that these soldiers are not syrian army but ex-russian military yes and it turns out it's also a russian arms depot the same place where they're holding the hostage was also and apparently John really doesn't like this and gets really upset, which I mm-hmm. guess is fair enough. But then here's what I want to talk to you guys about. Okay. Don't you think the movie kind of would have been improved if this mission had been an assassination mission? No. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know about improved. I don't know if it, what it would change really for me. Well, I don't want to jump ahead. Okay, just remember this point and we'll talk about it okay. later. All right, okay, all right, all right. How's that? Yeah. As they're trying to get the hostage out of there, an RPG knocks a big hole in this the floor, and Greer falls through the hole, mm-hmm. and Ritter, who's there, yeah, he's like, this was interesting for me, because Ritter, in my mind, as like Henry Zerny, is not like uh, an ops person. He's the, mm-hmm. in, you know, Langley, just working, you know, being the office guy. Oh, it, it kind of made sense to me a little bit, because if you look at it from, or try to put it into a timeline with clear and present danger, Mm-hmm. So this is obviously a, a way before. Story. Yeah. So it's taken way before. And yeah. with Ritter being the deputy director of operations, it would kind of make sense that he would have some field experience. So I could definitely see him okay. being part of operations. Oh, that's right. He was deputy director of, an, of operations. So you would, you would hope that whoever's in charge of operations actually knows operations. Right. It was refreshing to see him not just get pigeonholed into the Weasley guy who's a coward and never does anything, in contrast with there are heroes who are brave and tough and go and fight people. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so Ritter, 
he's you know in the op and he says the priority is to get the host- hostage out of there not to you know help anyone who's down so he goes ahead with the rest of the team john stays behind to help greer uh, zach i saw that they were using some hand signals i thought you'd appreciate that oh yeah always of course i actually did think of you when i saw that <laughs> And then, like, uh, John takes out, like, his gun. I think either he's out of bullets or his ju- gun jams. And so you have to take out one of them with some knife fighting. Yeah, this was like a video game where you run out of bullets in your gun, you switch to your pistol, and then your pistol runs out, you switch to your knife. It's like I was very impressed with his knife fighting. So, yeah. And they finally get back to the chopper. And so he confronts Ritter about the fact that they weren't, not only were they not ex-Russian military, they were not, actually, they were not just contractors. They were Russian military. One of his men got killed, to be clear. Right, which, to, to be fair, um, or unfair, depending on your point of view from this next se- sentence, the CIA isn't necessarily always forthcoming with what they know. They're fun mm-hmm. that way. Um, so, I mean, I can definitely see, you know, Ritter not telling uh, the SEAL team exactly what was going on. And that could, but, and to be fair to the CIA, that could be for a variety of reasons. Right, um, right. You know, obviously, you know, they don't necessarily want to know or want them to know that you know, there are you know, Russians involved just in case you know, one of them gets captured or whatever, this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But from, you know, Kelly's point of view, I guess we'll still refer to him as John Kelly at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a distinct difference between fighting probably untrained or even somewhat experienced you know, militia slash terrorist you know, versus you no know, hardcore Russian military who you know, have no tactics, know what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I also thought it was weird that Ritter was willing to leave the dead bodies of soldiers and a live soldier in the hands of Russians. Priority was the hostage. Right. But still, well, it's not like they were in the middle of a firefight where time Weren't was critical. They? Not at the exact moment when he had. Okay, the but they were still decision. they were still in foreign territory, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know probably if they weren't under fire at that moment, they probably could have been soon. So yeah, yeah. I, I guess mean, what I'm saying is it seemed like manufactured drama. The active uh, valor guys never would have done that. <laughs> no, actually, they, actually, they would have. Um, oh, I mean, they would have tried to to do their best, but at the same point in time, and you've also you know initiated a gunfight with multiple explosions in you know downtown Aleppo. So, I mean, there's obviously going to be other people running to the scene to figure out what's going on, especially if, you know, in this particular case, you know, th- these guys were Russians. You know, it was, a, it was a depot. So there's going to be reinforcements that are coming um, that are going to just swarm them. And they met their objective. They got the operative out, so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Um, the helicopter came in. It's on a certain you know, time schedule, too. It's got to be in and out. It can't just linger there. Time definitely in an operation being of the essence. I can definitely see, you know, once all possibilities were exhausted of getting them out, of of leaving them there. Cold-blooded, as Jay would say. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. But it's the nature of the beast, I guess. Okay, so the next bit I have is they get on a helicopter and they fly away. And then we get to see his family yeah, in D.C. So, well, no, this isn't his home. This is someone, I thought this was his home, but it's like a family party somewhere else. Oh, okay. Right. And we find out that his wife, Pam, is pregnant. It's a girl. Apparently, John's got an offer to work, um, leave the military and work as private security. Yeah, private security like Blackwater? Oh, not, my goodness. Not maybe. Or private Why? security like being, you know, security for a rich billionaire or something. I don't know. I want to see that movie. <laughs> That'd be funny I mean, if he was going to do private security for Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> or for Michael Jordan. Ooh. 
<laughs> but meanwhile, in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of John's other team members is with his family taking out the trash and gets hit by a truck that, and it doesn't stop. It just like goes straight through him. It's like, whoa. Yeah, I kind of saw it coming, and I was wondering what would their plan have been if he had looked to the right and saw a truck coming his way. I mean, probably just, you know, open a door and shoot. Yeah, presumably. So we get John and Pam heading back from the party, intercut with Atlanta, where one of other of John's other team members is driving, you know, home from a, from a bar, and the van in front of him opens up the back of it and men shoot him and kill him while yeah, re- bone what is a uh, significant other yeah that reminded I, me of uh, patriot games it yeah did. but i had i actually had two problems with with this scene okay one is you know we had this scene before where they were taking out um the other team member you know by running him over with the van yeah and I, the reason why i thought they did that was to make it look like an accident right yeah but you know you can't make a guy popping out of the back of a van and firing into a windshield with an AK-47 look like an accident. And also, after they did that, it seemed like nobody cared. <laughs> Except for his, like, significant other on the, like, on the phone, like, saying, what's happening, what's happening? But no one right. else, like, paying attention. But none attention. of the other cars were, like, reacting. And it also <laughs> seemed like if they're stuck in traffic, you know. Yeah, how are they going to get out of there? That's a great question. I didn't even think about that till now. I'm like, okay, it's like me like opening up on somebody on 395 at 4.30 in the afternoon. And I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, that's actually a really good point, Lance. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. So we go back to John and his wife. So John says, okay, like I'm going to uh, go downstairs and listen to some music. So yeah, he... I call it Beats by John Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's downstairs and he's listening to his music, someone's cutting the power to the house. We get a few like views of like night vision of the area. John doesn't notice it at first, but then his computer shuts off. Yeah, his computer that apparently has no battery power. I was thinking about that. All right. Maybe it had like a little bit of battery power and then like he had like just plugged it in. And where have we seen a similar type thing where power gets cut to the house? Ah, yes. In Patriot Games. Exactly. No laptop computers then, though. I thought it would (laughs) have been kind of cool if the laptop had like just slowly, slightly dimmed. And then he notices because he's Mr. Super uh, Navy Steel. Well, it's, like, yeah. it's like, why did it dim? Oh, he looks and looked. No power. Oh, the power's off. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they were like, the audience house. isn't going to get it. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. I feel like people, at least now, right now, you know, laptops are always plugged in because they're just at home all the time. John notices and then he hears people moving around upstairs, quietly sneaks upstairs. And as he's trying to get upstairs, men go into his bedroom and shoot his wife in their bed. Yes. I thought it would be more super dramatic oh. than that. Now, I admit that it was very realistic mm-hmm. and was shocking and how not shocking it was. I'm just surprised that that's the way they chose to portray it. I don't know. I'm like, because I presume that this, the fact that his wife and unborn child, or at least just his wife, got killed is part of his backstory in the books, too. But I was a little uncomfortable with it just because it's fridging. It is fridging. That's it correct. Is. Yeah, it is. But I don't but know. But if you're going to do it, have it be a big emotional moment, because that's what the, the story's built upon. Yeah. Fair, well, I fair. Think, I think they saved that big emotional moment for later. Mm-hmm. When, not necessarily to jump ahead, but when Clark comes, or Kelly. John, yeah. Just yeah, say John. When, when he's he's always back, John. <laughs> yeah. When John gets back to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He, yeah. He crosses the, the police tape. 
which mm. if you look at a timeline, that was a long time for that to still be a crime scene. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I get your point. I see your point on that. I agree with you. And I mean, we also get a more dramatic moment, too, at the end. But the actual killing of her is pretty quick. Yes. Another thing I wanted to say about this was the bad guys have night vision goggles. Yeah. And they look visually similar to the Navy SEALs from before. I mean, there's only so many types of night vision goggles. No, I'm aware of that. But it reminded me of Zero Dark Thirty coming up Ah. this week. Plug, plug, plug. And I (laughs) thought, were they trying to do a duality here? Where it's Navy SEALs going into someone's house to kill a terrorist versus here, where it's bad guys going into his house to kill him and his family. You know... I was about to say no, and I was going to say they probably only had so many props on hand. But given what happens later in the film, you might be right. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. The drama of her getting killed gets undercut by the mystery that we have happened right afterwards. Because the guy who shoots her is Mm -hmm. then shot and like willingly shot. He even says in Russian, I'm ready by one of the other team. Yeah, it's like the beginning of the Dark Knight, except that he didn't know he was about to get killed. In the Dark Knight. Right. But here, he knows, and he's all ready to go. Which is interesting. Yeah. So John comes up from the basement and gets to drop on a bunch of them, and pretty good action. It kind of reminded me of, uh, not as stylish, but kind of reminded me of part of the first John Wick movie, where they're coming after him. Yeah, Yeah, all the action was good. Yeah. I thought very similar between, you know, the first John Wick, when, you know, unfortunately they... Uh, kill his wife then and then and, 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 no the dog the dog killed the dog, dog. yeah yeah no pregnant wife versus no dog i can see the similarities there yeah there's room enough on the fridge for both <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> wow what come on don't tell me you weren't thinking that i was not i was not not even remotely uh uh-uh. but as he's going after the last guy you know they both are like shooting at each other like in like almost like a standoff yeah. John gets hit in it looks like the the stomach and the in the shoulder. Other guy gets shot in the leg. He does the thing, the very Hollywood thing of, "Oh, I'm going to shoot you, but I'm actually out of bullets." When there was a pistol and a lot of those are just going to cock back if there's nothing in the magazine. Right. So, there would be no situation unless you just had put a fresh magazine in there that happened to be empty. Especially if, you know, John's a and a seal and the other guy is obviously some type of trained operative and you know, we don't mm-hmm. know who or what at this point you'd mm. think that they would be familiar enough with firearms to realize that they were out of bullets mm-hmm. that's a very hollywood thing yeah Definitely. i thought it was cool though <laughs> actually when he pulled the gun out i thought he was going to kill himself rather than be taken alive. i also thought about that yeah instead he just crawls away and manages to get away does he also take off his mask too for some reason yeah he does i don't remember why so John can see him, and the plot can happen. Okay. And here's the dramatic part. Well, one of the two dramatic parts, I guess, is John mm-hmm. dragging himself to the bedroom, even yeah. though he's, like, severely injured. And he's, like, reaching for his wife and calling out for her, but she's dead. So I think, yeah, there's your... Dra- if you wanted the drama and the dramatic moment, there's one of them. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've seen so many movies. I was just expecting him to be, like, holding her body and going, no! But and he couldn't. He was... Physically incapable of doing that. Yes, because the director chose to make him so, which is fine. Again, I don't have a problem with any of it. I just think it was surprising and different. Okay. Well, they're kind of, I guess, at that point, keeping it consistent with what happened in the book. Uh huh. Um, In a completely different (laughs) type of situation, John is actually severely wounded from a shotgun blast. Oh, okay. So. That's at least, like I said, being consistent with 
a plot point from the book. Yeah, that'll really mess you up. <laughs> John gets brought to the hospital as Ritter is briefing a bunch of brass. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you know, John Kelly is, you know, severely injured, not expected to live, and the two other members of the team are all dead. And mm-hmm. he even makes some sort of allegation that the CO team might have been dirty, which Karen Greer, who's there in the meeting, does not take kindly to. No. And he, no. he's like, yeah, he's like, hey, I'm just considering all the possibilities. Which felt very much in line with the Ritter that, you know, we've saw from Clear and Present Danger. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So back in the hospital, John is having a dream about his wife being ripped away. It felt like a horror movie kind of thing right there. I approve. Yeah. And then John wakes up and Greer is there. And, you know, he asks about his baby. Apparently she didn't make it. The daughter would have only been a month premature. So it is possible that she could have survived. Theoretically, yes. So at this point, I start wondering, okay, I've seen this movie before, right? I've seen John Wick. His loved one gets fridged, and he goes on a one-man killing spree. How is this movie going to be different from other revenge movies of that type? Wow. And it turns out it is different, and mm-hmm. we, we will see how. Yeah. So Greer is there, and he says, like, all I want is a name. All I need is a name. And Greer says, you know, even if I knew it, I w- couldn't tell you. So Greer is in her office, and in comes a secretary of defense, I assume. Yeah. I guess we don't really find out he's sec def until much later in the movie. Like but I guess just some context clues. I was like, okay, I'm going to presume Secretary of Defense, maybe Secretary of State, but probably Defense. No, I was I was thinking that was it, he was either SecDef or possibly even National Security Advisor. Because they Clancy does like to throw in the NSA. Uh, do they call those Secretary? I don't know right off the top of my head, to be honest. Okay, yeah. Yeah, once they called him uh, Secretary, then I was, I was more like, yeah, okay, that probably is the SecDef, but... There are or, tons of, like, assistant secretaries and undersecretaries and deputy secretaries and... Probably. So on. Or oh, yeah. he's the Secretary of the IMF. <laughs> no. Anyway, so, we find out that uh, Clay worked with her uncle, Jim Greer, so hey, that's what the connection is. It says Jim Greer operative, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this is further back in t- the timeline, so it's about when he was, you know, active. When he wasn't and, an admiral yet. Yeah. And then he also it, says at some point, can John Kelly be trusted? And I was like, who is John Kelly? Is that when you've realized that his name is John Kelly and not John Clark? Yes, that's when I put two and two <laughs> together. I don't think they had said his name before that point. I, well, they may have just said John. Well, sure. Yeah, but not not, not Kelly. So John's in physical therapy. He's like doing, you know, resistance band training and swimming. I appreciate that yeah. because it's not like our heroes get shot in the arm and then they wear a sling for a couple scenes and then they're fine. It actually kind of reminded me of a future Clancy Jack Ryan movie that we will cover, which actually has no book corresponding book. Uh-huh. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, where they show him recovering from the helicopter crash. And yeah, yes, Lance, we'll make you endure that (laughs) that famous helicopter crash i want to see it because of my love and affection for both of you i will (laughs) watch shadow recruit and i'll even re-watch some of all fears (laughs) thank you thanks buddy we love having you on here for your perspectives (laughs) on this so we go to langley and i I think that i mentioned this last time the rare thing of langley where they don't show the stars and the seal maybe not so rare that's becoming more common the more movies we watch Mm -hmm. I guess nowadays they they won't do it as much. Whereas mm-hmm. anytime in the nineties or two thousands, even the twenty tens, it's like you you talk about Langley, you show Langley, you show the CEO, you show the stars. 
So Greer is coming in and is meeting with Clay and Ritter. Ritter is briefing Secretary Clay on the attacks. Yeah, I think it's so funny how the Ritter do all the CIA stuff. Like, there's only one person at the CIA. But I guess you could argue, Lance, before you say anything, you could argue he's like the Navy SEAL CIA liaison. Could be. That's my or, little headcanon. What do you think? Sure. Or it could be that since all this, this is tied in, that you think of it as like a CIA version of a caseworker. Uh-huh. That <laughs> since they're all related and similar things to where he's getting assigned these same spots. Or Makes he's sense. A, or he's a, a particular high-ranking subject matter expert. Or for the sake of the audience, so we don't have to try to remember another character. That's probably more <laughs> yeah, to the point. Spy movies love doing that. Or I think you can kind of tell this movie was sort of made on the cheap. I don't think so. I do think so. I All think right. most of the budget went to Michael B. Jordan. Fair, fair. Oh, I'm actually a little curious. Let's see. Let's find out. So while you're looking that up, yeah. Ritter is like, okay, so these guys worked for the, for the FSB. We've talked about them before. They're yeah. getting revenge by proxy. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, they declare the matter is closed. Like they're not going to respond. And the characters and the audience are like, that is absurd that they would just let them kill Navy SEALs. Lance, your thoughts? Oh, yeah, that that's not going to go. Uh-huh. I, I don't want to use the word unpunished. Unresponded that, to? Unresponded unanswered. To. How about unanswered? Yes, that that is the more correct word to use. I mean, even if it was diplomatically or, or whatever, uh, and not necessarily, you know, covert spy versus spy or... Seal versus Spetsnaz kind of thing. Uh huh. Um, but don't you think the fact that it's Russia that's a nuclear power that they're willing to sweep it under the rug to keep relations okay? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> really? Absolutely not. No. I was surprised to hear that. No, I mean, because regardless, that um, yes, Russia is a nuclear power, but let's also be a little realistic in something. You're not going to start a nuclear exchange over something like this. Or mm-hmm. even have it escalate to you know a full blown shooting war. I mean, I can yeah. see more sneaky covert operations versus their ver- version of sneaky covert operations. But yeah, especially they're not going to just drop a matter of Navy SEALs uh, being assassinated on U.S. soil. Yeah, that was just absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad to see my instincts didn't lead me astray in that case. They did not. Also, I was trying to think about when this movie was made because, like, they refer to the CIA director is a woman and uh, Gina Haspel, mm. former first, I believe, the first female director of the FBI or of, of the CIA, rather. And so that was just, just caught my attention. Okay. Greer meets with John as he's in physical therapy. Greer now also hates Ritter. <laughs> it's like I can see why you almost, you know, punched him back in the chopper. Well, yeah, she doesn't like that he considered the matters closed. Mm-hmm. Which is fair enough. Yeah. She passes along the info that he needs to start his quest. Yeah. The info being the passports of the three dead men. But right. there's the fourth guy who's still out there. Greer says that the passports were cleared by Andre Vasilius. Vasiliev? Wait, Vasiliev. Ru- yeah. Yeah. The Russian guy. So she's like, he knows, but he's untouchable. We can't get to him. Yeah. But of course, yeah. one man acting alone, quote unquote, could. So John goes back to his house to see the aftermath of it. And this is the uh, other dramatic scene that you were talking about, Lance, earlier. Yeah, when he, when he gets up there and that's when he, he sees the bed and he has his, you know, his flashbacks, time with her and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. That is where you can see the light switch going off mm-hmm. um, to where you know, I've got this 
moralistic, you know, high uh, integrity Navy SEAL type person. Now he's like, nope, super pissed. Mm -hmm. You know, gloves come off. I'm going to go John Wick on people. Going on a roaring rampage of revenge. Yeah. As Sterling Archer would say. Terms of a rampage, man. (laughs) (laughs) But what I liked about this scene where he goes back to the house was Mm -hmm. it felt real to me that you're a military guy. You've probably seen people die around you. So when he was in the house the first time, it was the heat of battle and it didn't really hit him until he came back and they're gone. Yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah. Right. So that that was well done. There was that adrenaline rush, Mm -hmm. especially because also he was shot. And pretty messed up, you know, in the in the attack on his house. You know, he's also now had. I'm I'm assuming more than five days has gone by because you don't just recover from surgery and go through rehab, and then all of a sudden you'll be up and walking around within five days. Even though the police tape and the crime scene kind of makes you think that it it's not been two or three months. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So when he when he gets that, but now this is his first actual reconnection back to that scene. And it's it's also different because you're right. You can see, and you're used to people dying around you, and even if they're they're friends, or whatever. You expect that. That that's part of the job. It's part of the life. You do not expect to have your wife, your eight month pregnant wife, assassinated yeah. in front of you. That's so yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely why there's that huge emotional response that he wouldn't necessarily have if it was you know either in combat or why he didn't have it that first time around. Yeah, exactly. He grabs some weapons from inside his water heater, it looked like. That's right. And then he goes to stay in a motel. He, like, gets a bunch of his clothes and pees all over them in the tub. Yeah, I, like, I wanted, what's going I wanted on? an explanation for this. And then he poured a bunch of vodka all over him. And the next we see is a neighborhood oh, in D.C. And wait. he's pretending to be homeless. So he smells terrible. Do you see, finally get it, Zach? No, I, I didn't get it at the time because I thought he was just a drunk guy, not homeless. I didn't realize uh, he was pretending to be homeless. Uh-huh. The way he's not going to smell very well. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was pretending to be just some random guy who happened to drink too much. Mm. No, if he I, was I homeless, he... I feel like he needed bigger hair. But I guess you can't grow hair on command. Not even maybe uh... you can do that. <laughs> as soon as uh, you know, he poured the vodka over himself, I was like... Oh, I think I know where he's going with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like him just peeing on his clothes. I was like, wait, what is going on here? <laughs> but it's a good cover. So he goes to like this neighborhood in DC, the home of Vasiliev. Mm-hmm. Looked like the Russian embassy. Or that, actually. I wasn't sure. Like, I don't know where the real Russian embassy is anymore. Because so, I know they moved, well, the, the, they moved it, like when it was the Soviet to the Russians. So I don't actually remember where that one was. Probably right in that it was supposed to be there. There's no way they filmed it at the real one. Are you kidding? I, um, yeah, probably yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to have the kind of like security outside their house in DC, <laughs> like <laughs> like that guy did. It had to have true, true, true. Yeah, you're right. Film. Yeah, and he sees Vasiliev leaving in a SUV, and yeah. he follows them in a tow truck. Where did he get this tow truck? Can He's you rent a tow truck? I'm assuming he stole it. Uh, yeah, his life is like a Grand Theft Auto game. <laughs> and that, being someone who's had their car towed by one of those trucks. I really appreciate the fact that he stole it. It was like my <laughs> secret revenge. Yeah, I, no, I haven't had one towed here in D.C., but I've had one towed in Hawaii, and it's just a pain. So I do like here, he follows him to the airport, and he does the fake 911 call, which I love it when people do that in movies. But I think Michael B. Jordan was pretending to be someone who's bad at acting, because there's a part okay. where he's like, this guy has a gun. Hurry up. I'm really scared. 
Do you guys remember this? It sounds very <laughs> unconvincing. I, I don't remember it being unconvincing. Lance, how about you? Break the tie. Agree with um, me. You know, I, I <laughs> thought he definitely toned it down because of uh-huh. if I'm driving along and it's like someone's like all of a sudden waving a, a gun at me, I'm going to be like, you know, hey, this guy's waving a gun at people. You might want to get here. Whereas he's just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think he flashed a gun at me. Yeah, do okay, something. Fair, fair. But... <laughs> didn't sound really scared. That's what I'm getting. Well, I like because he he was even like being the like I don't want to be that guy, and that, so, so I was like I was like mm. he was being calm and but not like freaked out about it. Like I think he focused like what he was trying to make them focus on was the swerving at first. Good acting on his part is like because otherwise, if you like played up too much, uh-huh. then he he just wants to momentarily. Not like that. Yeah, put, put, put you know, there's some guy swerving lanes, and if they had just left it at that, like you know, I'm trying to report a drunk guy, I'm like, dude, everybody swerves. You, know, you <laughs> new to DC traffic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, so okay. it was like it was like just enough to get him pulled over, but not necessarily enough to like have a full SWAT team come down. Right, but when he said he's got a gun, and also the fact that they're at the airport. Mm, yeah. Yep, yep. So yeah, that's why you see the whole mass response because now we have a potential Trump guy uh, with the gun, or we've got a potential terrorist incident where some guys, you know, weaving in and out with weapons going towards the airport. Yeah. So um, the way the his thought process worked, or calling on one was was great. But I'm still kind of with with Zach. All right. Here. All right. He, all right. <laughs> a little bit better. Circle back okay. to that. Sorry. I, I'm, I mean, I'm crazy. Ninety-eight percent of the time. <laughs> So this part confused me. So there's an SUV and then the car. Is the SUV supposed to be his bodyguards that he called the no, police No, the SUV, on? that's his car. That's what the car they were in. The car that he sets on fire is an SUV? Wasn't it? No. no I, I oh, think, maybe you're right. Okay. Yeah, there, there, were two, there were two vehicles. One of them was probably his um, security detail. Okay, okay, yeah. Which I don't know why he would need that much security if he's getting on a plane. If, are they all going somewhere? Mm-hmm. Um. Or it could have been a, a trail vehicle in case, you know, maybe that if that car breaks down or whatever. They've got something else that they can put him in to take him on his way. Right. But yeah, no, they they stopped the, the security vehicle. Oh, OK. Um, but they didn't stop him. They didn't or did stop they? Him. No, huh. he kept going as he should. That's right. OK, um, that makes more sense then. So they stopped the security so that they wouldn't be around him when they went. When right. exactly. um, John went after him. OK. OK. Thank you for clearing up that yeah. confusion. Once the car gets right at, up to the gate at, or at Dulles, was this actually mm-hmm. Dulles? I don't think it was actually Dulles. It didn't look like it. No, because Dulles has the two two levels, and it's got a very distinctive architecture, and it did not look like Dulles to me. No. Mm. So once they got up to the drop-off, John rams their car with the tow, with the tow truck, gets yeah. out, and then pour, pours gasoline on the car. And then there's the very stylish thing of getting like a Zippo lighter out, lighting it, and then just, just tossing it onto the car. And boom, like, fire. Well, it doesn't explode. It's just no. the outside of it's covered with fire. So yeah. I was like, dude, you're, aren't you supposed to ask this guy a question? Like, did you forget <laughs> what, why you were there? But then he runs over, opens the, the door, and climbs in. And shoots and, very quickly. Shoots the two security who's in there. Yeah, but I like that they had this conversation in a car while the car is on fire. Yeah, that is yeah. Cool. That kind of reminded me, like in the the one scene in um, the first Taken movie, when Liam Neeson's at his uh, friend's house in Paris, and he's mm-hmm. asking, trying to get him to ask answer questions, and he doesn't do it. And then Neeson pulls out the gun, and then but doesn't shoot his friend. He shoots his friend's wife in the leg. Oof. Yeah, so I actually haven't seen t- Taken yet, so and it'll be one of the ones we cover. But 
Interesting. All right. Well, the part where he shoots Vasilev in the leg reminded me of that part, Lance. You're yeah. right. And yeah. speaking of Vasilev, did you recognize him, Christian? No. Who is he? Finally, I recognize an actor and you don't. <laughs> I should remember this. He was Oleg Penkovsky in The Courier, which oh. is what we recorded a couple weeks ago, though it won't be posted until the end of the year. Wow, that is interesting. I did not recognize him. Yeah, I knew he looked familiar. I think he lost some weight since the career. Uh, yeah. His face looked thinner. Well, anyway, so he gets a name from Vasiliev, uh, Viktor Rykov. So, yes. And then he kills Vasiliev. And John, like, exits the burning car, has hands up, and he gets arrested. Yeah, I was wondering how he was expecting to get away from the cops, and it turns out he wasn't. No, yeah. Like he was counting on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so Secretary Clay is at some D.C. restaurant. I was trying to figure out where this was supposed to be, but I could not. It didn't look like anywhere I knew. No, it was probably just a set. The outside yeah. looked like it could have been in D.C., but it mm-hmm. went by too fast to figure yeah. it out. And he sees on the news, Bird Happily from Parks and Recreation is giving a news report. Was that really him? Yeah. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> he should have said, and that, and you heard with Bird. Have you heard about this latest Navy SEAL criminal murder <laughs> investigation with Bird? Oh, man. And it's funny, like, there's people who just sort of get typecast as newscasters. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's watching the news report and mentions that someone leaked files connecting them to the Russians. Yeah, and Ritter figures out pretty quickly that it's Greer. Is he not at the restaurant right now? No, that's a, he's at a restaurant in a different part. He's yeah. just in his office. Well, okay, on the news, though, it's still purred. Yeah, yeah, right, I just right. forget where yeah. it is that he's watching it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you're I right. messed that up. Yeah, that was me. Ritter was in his office as, as he's watching his news report. And Ritter says uh, that, like, you know, we didn't leak it. Why would we want to leak? Why would we leak it? And Ritter also says that now John has a target on his back. He won't be safe even in prison. Yeah, he's in a prison with a bunch of Russian mobsters, we learn. Kelly makes the point of that, well, maybe John is, you know, shook a tree that they couldn't shake. So let's see what else falls out. Yeah, that was a cool line, though. I do remember thinking it was funny that Russian mobsters are so patriotic. They'll be happy to help out their government. I don't know if it's that necessarily that. It's more that they'll probably get paid to do it. They'll probably get get paid to do it and the fact that it's like one of those, you know, we can kill other Russians, but you can't kill Russians. Ah, that's a little bit of that too. Yeah, and also we can kill Americans, but you can't. Right. Greer Uh, goes to meet with John in prison, and John is without remorse for what he did. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Well played. And reasonably so. But John makes this big speech here where he was like, we fought for what America could be. And I was really confused. I was like, why is this relevant to the story? Because what are black. you talking about? Huh? It's because he's black. They, like, this spoke to me on that level of we fought for an America that didn't care about us. But, okay. but I, well, that, that's true. And, and I did think the same thing. I also took it from, you know, kind of what they alluded to earlier when, like, Ritter was talking about, you know, we're just going to let it drop. That too, yeah. I can see the both parts, yeah. But I think the fact that he's being, you know, characters now being played by a black actor made me feel think about that more. And I'm sure that Michael B. Jordan, when going into this, probably had some input into, you know, if we're going to change it, we have to make it authentic to my experience. So absolutely agree. So see, I'm I'm back to being on your side. (laughs) Well, the thing about also. Christian, what you were saying is that it makes a little bit more sense than he was like, oh, they they wouldn't let me hunt down my guys, and now I'm gonna totally changed my point of view about being a Navy SEAL pretty much overnight. Though I guess having your family murdered would do that. 
Yeah. And I think uh, maybe just because, you know, I recently watched you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier where they bring up a lot of that stuff and also just uh-huh. everything that's going on in the world. And also just thinking about, all right, this is a character who originally a white character. I wanted to see what kind of changes they would make necessarily for him being a, played by a black actor. I can see that. Yeah, I, w- I was kind of interested in, in that as well. But because I also looked at it to where because um, I saw some really stupid you know, comments on uh, social media about this, mm-hmm. um, which I usually try to avoid. Mm-hmm. But in, in reality, I don't think that the character's race plays any real significant part to the character. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, it made no difference that, you know, you know Michael B. Jordan played this character versus you know, William Defoe, who mm-hmm. or Lee Schreiber. Uh, who's also played the Clark characters. But I think the fact that, you know, Michael B. Jordan obviously is a black actor, it can bring in that whole aspect of the speech that he gave to Greer in prison, yeah. which I thought was was well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while we're on the subject, isn't the actress who plays Greer, wasn't she in No Time to Die? No. Is that someone else? Yes, that's... Uh... Uh, what's you also have short hair, which I think may yeah. have been why I thought they were the same person. Yeah, um, yeah that's also in Captain Marvel. That's Lashana Lynch. There we go. That's oh, her name. Okay. Yeah. By the way, yeah. while we're on the subject, No Time to Die isn't coming out anytime soon, right? October. 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 So I want to talk about. Do you remember talking about how it looked like James Bond was going to be replaced by her? And then Don't got get mad. me started. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I have more okay. to say. You like this. And then it turned out that in the universe, James Bond retired, and she was just the new 007. Which right? anyone with a brain could have figured out. Right, but I still think it's outrageous. Because what? every sports league in the country retires jersey numbers. And you're oh. telling me they can't do that for James Bond? How well, many you... times does he save the world? Hang on, I'm over my soapbox land. <laughs> he saved the world. They can't retire his jersey. They can't put a tuxedo on the wall that says 007. It's not like they're going to run out of numbers. Oh, actually, I mean, they will because they only yeah. get nine. <laughs> what? You could be double O ten. Actually, you can. In the in the novels, <laughs> there is, there is a double O eleven. The disrespect is outrageous. No one can <laughs> replace James Bond. Yeah, but if also, you remember though, in the movie in Thunderball, when they brought in all the double yeah. O's, there were only nine of them. That is, Ooh, true. that is true. I just got out James Bond. Okay, we can get back to with our awards <laughs> now. But one more thing on this: uh-huh. you don't think every other double O has also just saved the world a bunch of times. Like, this is probably, like, there's all these other, I think so. That's my my opinion. Oh my gosh, the world is really under threat then, if it needs at least yeah, 10 yeah, people. Yeah, we, we just it. don't know about it. <laughs> but, Man, okay, I like go that ahead too. this movie. Uh, where mm-hmm. were we? So, Greer, so, Greer's there at the prison meeting with John, and John says he wants to get message to Secretary Clay. And mm-hmm. he's like, because I know, is she's like, well, okay, what do you know? Well, I'm not going to tell you because that's my bargaining chip. And I'm only going to tell you once you get me out of here. Because there's nice. a Russian mob here and I'm going to not survive. Which is the, <laughs> you know, the key reason why he wanted to go too. Because if he was just like regular old penitentiary, they're going to be uh-huh. like, well, you're going to be there for a while. You know, but mm-hmm. because the Russian mob's there, no, nah, he's probably not. Yeah. And it shows the people that he wants to get him out, they have to act quickly. Yeah. They can't take their sweet time because he's mm-hmm. going to die if they do. Yeah. So in his cell, John is visited by a, like a guard who like goes sees him through like the people and says, you know, you're getting taken on a trip. Can you turn around? You know, arms on the wall. And he's like, no, I don't want. I'm not going. If you don't tell me where I'm going, mm-hmm. wraps a towel around his hand, takes his shirt off to show his very fit physique. I mean, he looks like he did in Creed or yeah. in uh, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. 
Like he's just very. I'm I'm just very impressed. He's very fit. Let's he admire him some more. <laughs> so yeah, he he definitely works out. He probably yeah. does CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> he takes off his shirt, and I thought he was like, "All right, are you soaking the shirt for something?" But no, he's actually just clogging the sink. Mm-hmm. So that it floods the whole place. There's, he like throws some water on the floor to help the process. So the yeah, guards I, come in. I thought that was cool that the guards were going to slip on the water. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. Like, it was, I was very impressed by it, like just this thinking. Mm-hmm. And so John like easily dispatches like what three or four of them. That come I counted into- four. But then I was like, okay, you've got your four guards and you got a hostage. What's the plan now? Like, what's your next move? Well, to get him out of there. He's like, I'm just going to wait here until you get me out, basically. Pretty much. And it's not very long after. I was wondering, like, when they're coming in to get him, it was like, all right, are these dirty cops or, or, like, dirty paid-off prison guards? What's going on here? Right. Mm -hmm. So then the U.S. Marshal comes up to the door, slides a phone in the hole, and it's Greer on the phone. He says, you know, we're getting you out. You can trust this U.S. Marshal. I was like, okay. So now he knows where he's going. Because, like, yeah, if if a guard just comes up to him and says, you're going on a trip, we don't. He doesn't know. Are they people I want to want to go with? Are they, you know, dirty cop paid off or dirty guard paid off by the Russian mob? What's the deal? Yeah, totally. And I think everyone expected when the guard said you're going somewhere that he was going to be killed. Now, far be it from me to be against violence in a movie. Everyone knows I love it. But the thing is, this whole part was totally unnecessary because he goes yeah, from the, going into the hands of the military into prison and then back into the hands of the military again. So the whole thing could have been skipped with a scene that says we're transferring you to Greer's custody or something. No, not so much. <laughs> um, there were obviously civil authorities involved. Um, and he's <clears throat> in a you know, normal non-military prison. At that point, while he's still technically military, I don't think they ever said that he was, he was out. I think back in that scene in the beginning with they're at the friend's house or whatever, he's talking about getting out and doing the job. So he's still right. in. Right. No, they're not going to turn him over to, to her uh, for a variety uh, of reasons. Yeah, yeah. If this movie had more to do, I think they probably could have skipped that, but since they had to paddle. But... Oh, yeah. So he gets brought to a warehouse, and Greer is there, and there's a shipping container office, which I appreciated. And yeah. it had uh, clay... CIA director Sarah Dillard. So this is where we see actually the CIA director and Ritter's there. Mm-hmm. And so they want to know what he learned. So he just and so I, he doesn't even say anything just the name, Victor Rykov. Which I guess he doesn't really know who Victor Rykov is. He just has the name. Right. But and once he says that name everyone just sort of goes like, wait, what? Yeah, how, how and why do you know this? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing that, that I had to think about for a little bit was, you know, why I could see the CIA director being there. I can see, obviously, Ritter being there for sure. Yeah. But it, it took me a while to try to figure out why the Secretary of Defense would be there. Yeah, that's a good I didn't even really think of it in the moment, but yeah. Um, but the more I thought about it, it could have been the fact that, you know, this whole thing initially was a, a SEAL operation. Granted, it was in conjunction with CIA. And the fact that, that, that SEAL said and SEALs had been killed. I can see it maybe having sack def attention. Yeah. But again, movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. so we find out that uh, Victor Rykoff's supposed to be dead and that he was actually educated here in the U.S. Um, and had a plan to take out the West. He even had like a bunch of men trained to do it, but, you know, they, they initiated an op to prevent him. And 
they do this. I like this. So, like, just to be even be clear that okay, this is the person we're talking about. Ritter has one of the you know analysts in the room. You know, pull up a bunch of fo- put him put a digital lineup basically and have his photo with a number of other photos so that John can identify him. Yeah, it's a good thing you took his mask off. Right. This, this whole scene reminded me of something out of a modern warfare Call of Duty game, <laughs> which isn't really a criticism per se. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. So. Once I John identifies him, he says, like, I want to be on the team that takes him, you know, takes him out. Greer's like, no, he's he, uh, with respect. He's not fit for duty. Which, of course, he's totally not. No, you're right. No, he's not. No. And, and actually, I really appreciated her ex, her saying that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they have obviously developed that there is a, you know, uh, a brother sister you know, relationship between the two of them. Um, they obviously serve on the same SEAL team. That's his, you know, commanding officer. This, this, and this. But when the fact that, especially when knowing all that he has gone through, and she has that unique perspective of him, for her to be like, no, he's not even remotely fit for this. You know, instead of the usual buddy spy thing, you know, let's go kick their ass together. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> no, no, I don't want him on my team because <laughs> at this point, he is a liability. Goddamn liability. (laughs) Also, it's like he's a cop and he's too close to the case. Yeah, exactly. But then the secretary is like, I want him on the team. mm -hmm. And he's like, Rose. (laughs) Well, no, but before he even says that, you've got that one, the the whole line of, you know, in order to do what we need to do, you know, obviously I've more than proven I'm willing to go that extra step. And it was almost like his version of, you know, you need me on that wall. <laughs> you need me on this Yes, team. yes. Yeah, Which, nobody of course, like now, I can, I'm only hearing Jack Nicholson impressions. <laughs> <laughs> we go to a hangar with, which has like a private jet inside of it. Or mm-hmm. actually, it doesn't look, actually, not, well, it looked like a private jet, but now that I, once we see the inside, it actually looks like a passenger jet. Like yeah, just a smaller passenger jet. Yeah, on the smaller side of things. And they're going to jump out of it, which was cool. I yeah, don't think I've ever I, seen that before in a movie. And John even calls out, I was like, I've never jumped out of like a commercial jet before. Right. It's like, well, this is new. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently it's like modified so like the, the uh, cargo section will drop and they, they can exit that way. Which leave it to the CIA to have an airplane like that. Yeah, right. Awesome. And so the, their cover is that they're, they're just a commercial flight that's going, you know, over the drop zone, and Ritter will meet them there somehow. Somehow he'll get there. Yeah, which should have been a warning sign, but it wasn't. <laughs> Classic Ritter. So they have a conversation between Greer, yeah. between Greer and John, where he talks about having survivor's guilt, which makes and, sense. And he's also mad that Greer didn't think he was fit for the field, which, like you said, he isn't. Right. And then finally, he says... Th- this is about justice. It's not about revenge. <laughs> so I was like, oh, because maybe this isn't a revenge movie after all. No, it's a total lie. It was yeah. absolutely <laughs> about revenge. Yeah. It yeah. just so happened to be justice played you know, a minor part to it. Mm-hmm. So they're about to halo jump into Russian airspace, which me being me made me think about, well, actually the two movies, Fallout, where they did an excellent halo jump. I was like, ooh, is Michael B. Jordan going to halo jump? And also... The, the first time I heard about a Halo jump was in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, where it wasn't actually Pierce Brosnan who did it, but it was still a cool-looking mm-hmm. job. Now, this movie doesn't have the budget for an actual jump. Right as they're about to jump, mm-hmm. the Russian Air Force catches them, and like they fire a missile at the engine. And it's not like the Russians don't have a history of doing that. Oh, <laughs> I mean, the U.S. isn't exactly one to talk about that, if I recall correctly. <laughs> we, we're not going to talk about that, Zach. 
All right, got it. <laughs> yeah, the engine goes goes out, and I think it's John who like goes up to the pilots and says like, you know, what's the plan? He's like, well, we're gonna take a, we're going for a swim. Uh-huh. Everyone brace for impact. Like, and I was impressed. Like, and I I don't know if this is physics work wise is how it would actually work, but they managed to get the plane down mm-hmm. from you know a jump from a halo jump height to the water. Everyone pretty much survives that. I can t- actually, do the pilots survive? I don't know, no, now that I, I think about think it. I sure don't remember the pilots coming with them. Yeah, I thought I just thought about that, and I was like, oh, wait, no. I think the pilots are dead, but everyone else survives. They, they didn't take that extra part in the Sullenberger school of water landings. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it was interesting that this scene was filmed with the camera inside the plane the whole time. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you could say it was, well, it's John's perspective, and he's yeah. not going to see the outside. And I'm, I don't want to make fun of this movie review made on the cheap, but it also felt like it was made on. We see something on the outside, though. We see some CG. Like, Yeah, that was yeah. cool. We see the Russian warplane on the outside. Well, no, I mean, even we see like the plane crashing Yeah, from the oh, outside okay. perspective, too. I might have been writing when that happened. <laughs> this movie was made on the cheap. Why don't they show us the plane crashing while the plane crashes? <laughs> Everyone else is trying to get to the exits and like the plane's filling up with water but of course john's thinking just about the mission it's like i got we gotta get go get the gears like without the gear there's no mission keeps talking about a zodiac what is a zodiac oh isn't it a boat lance i was wondering about is that the boat okay yeah which it's good that he got it because we're really gonna swim home yeah it's it's not well you you know their seats also double as flotation devices But that's still a pretty hefty long swim, and yeah, and I'm guessing maybe the Barrett Seer or something along those lines. Burr. It made the Captain Kirk swim in the voyage home look short by comparison, <laughs> right? Anyway, so yeah, so he goes down like the plane is like tumbling over because it's breaking in half. And yeah, so that was he, cool. It looked cool. You know, grabs the gear and he's trying to get to the surface. And he almost gets stuck under some parts, but makes it to the surface with the help of his team who come and get him. Yeah, and they all get away on the boat. Yeah. As we find out, this is Murmansk in Russia. Mm -hmm. Goes to a safe house. And John is thinking about how, all right, are we sure this isn't a setup by Ritter? He's the only one who wasn't there. Which we know from previous Ritter experiences wouldn't be the first time, or actually it would be the first time that he would have sold out. Yeah, a team of of steals, yeah. Yeah. But or, not the last. I guess not, yeah. <laughs> was Ritter like just in another room there? Like I wasn't sure where he was supposed to be. <laughs> I think he was in a different building. Okay. I'm waiting for it, yeah. So but he's yeah, he's in a different building and like there's a Russian newscast saying that, you know, this was a sp- CIA spy plan. And yeah, then the team was... comes into there, guns drawn, there's like a couple of other people there too. Yeah, I assume they're like Ritter's henchmen. But John, you know, gets, threatens Ritter, like I think shoots it past his head mm-hmm. a few yeah. times. He gets an answer from Ritter. He doesn't believe him. Yeah, Rightfully so. A little bit. Mm. So they head to a location across the street from where Rykov is staying. John like gets Rykov in his crosshairs and is like, looks like he might shoot. And like, you know, Greer even just like looks over and is like, I'm just looking. So the team goes to infiltrate the, you know, Ritter's, not Ritter, uh, Rykov's apartment. And at one point, John like locks the door and leaves everyone else behind. Yeah, he goes rogue, just like we were all expecting that he would. And so he like opens a door and he sees like a dead body and hears like Rykov behind him. Uh-huh. And Rykov saying that like he's actually CIA and that they wanted him there. And you see that Rykov has a bomb vest on. 
Yeah, with a dead man switch. And he has this whole speech about, we're not so different, you and I, we're <laughs> pawns. And this is why I said in the beginning of the podcast, right. that the opening mission should have been an assassination mission. Oh. That way you have the duality. Rykov kills for what he believes in. John kills for what he believes in. Maybe. Not every movie needs this gray area where the only difference between the protagonist and the antagonist is that we like the protagonist better. Obviously, Tom Clancy isn't really big on these moral gray areas. It just would have been nice. Okay. I mean, like I said, I think there's enough mirror parts that we don't need them to be complete mirrors of each other necessarily. Mm -hmm. We get the idea. I also yeah. think it's interesting that Rykov doesn't have a Russian accent. Well, we, he, they mentioned, and I, this is maybe because... Maybe they tried having him with a Russian accent. He couldn't pull it off. Uh -huh. But you know, they mentioned in the briefing that he was raised in the U.S. Oh, yeah. he's a Russian-American? Okay. Yeah. So that's why he has an American accent. But yeah, so like John sees the bomb, like the bomb, tries to convince him not to blow it. But yeah, Rykov blows it. But before he does, he says that, you know, those behind, behind us in Washington are not the only true patriots. Mm -hmm. And somehow John and his whole team, like, survived the blast. Right. But they get start getting picked off by a sniper. And like John does this cool move where he like pick, picks up a piece of a mirror to like try to find out where you know the sniper is. Yeah, like enemy at the gates. Great movie. Exactly. Exactly, Zach. <laughs> you beat me to it by like two seconds. <laughs> we find out oh, there's also a second sniper. They like try to get to this uh the seal who was hit. Mm -hmm. And they you know are trying to move, but the sniper's covering the exit. And then some Russian cops arrive, and the sniper t takes out the Russian cops. And that's when John realizes that it's because it makes it look like the Americans shot the cops. Right. And he yeah. realizes that it's all a setup. Now that they have dead Russians on American soil, and they'll have dead Americans on Russian soil. And it is like, they're trying to start a war. Just like Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> Indeed. So they could try to find a new exit. Uh, they... they Blow a hole through a wall. Greer gets to the sniper and takes him out hand to hand. That was pretty sweet. So and, I thought the yep. whole rest of the movie was going to be them in this building. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Like it was going to be the raid or dread or something like that. But I think but, I wish they'd done I mean, there was, was a very extended sequence, and which it was really good. Yeah. The okay. other thing I wish they had done was they never really said who the snipers were. That's true. Yeah. Mm, they were like, conspirators. Yeah. Yeah. Get all get get to the lobby finally, and mm -hmm. the guy who got hit, I think his code name was Dallas. Yeah, this was a funny conversation. You're like, what do you want to tell your kid? He's like, tell him. Eh. Well, he says, <laughs> tell him I love them, and then he's like, tell them, and then just dies. <laughs> it's, it's such a cliche. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, you guys aren't as stone aren't as stone hearted as I am. <laughs> anyway, so John has a plan. He's gonna go yeah. to the roof and clear a path for them, and they're like. Like no, you know, no, we can't leave him behind. Like, you no, you can't leave anyone behind because then they'll, just, they'll still have what they have, get what they want. They'll have you know dead Americans on Russian soil. But right. I'm so not a soldier. I'm a felon, and I have deniability basically. Sure, whatever you got to tell yourself. I do like how this scene was the cliche of you go and I'll hold them off. <laughs> if he wasn't a main character, he would have been. Absolutely, Dad. Yeah. So he like gets onto the roof, throws a grenade at the at one of the police cars, and blows it up. Starts shooting as the team gets away. This really felt like a video game. This part. <laughs> so Russian soldiers catch up on, on him on the roof, jumps through a skylight, and then he fi somehow finds time to disguise himself as a Russian soldier, including a mask, like a gas yeah. mask. Mm -hmm. 
He's able to yep. get away stealing an ambulance in mm-hmm. the process. And drives all the way to the rendezvous point at yeah. the warehouse. And Greer's there. She says the others went ahead. Mm-hmm. That made me think, is like if you're you're driving a stolen <laughs> ambulance to your safe house. Well, I know you it... can abandon it pretty fairly quickly, but still. Well, as it turned out, it wasn't to a safe house. It was to a boat. And then they just used the boat to get away. Yeah, yeah. So it's fine. I do like here, he says, Rykov was me on the other side. Just in case you didn't get it, he's going <laughs> to yeah. explain it. So yeah, so Greer, Ritter, and John are all talking on the boat. They, you know, they said this started in D.C. Once John gets back, he'd be just be put thrown back into jail. And uh-huh. so Ritter actually says, you know, all right, well, there's a duffel bag of cash below deck. We'll just say that D- John Kelly died in Romansk. Well, of course, John Kelly dying in Romansk was the whole thing they were trying to avoid in the first place. But whatever. Well, no, but I can see where he's getting at. It's like, just because there's no body, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that Greer and, and Ritter can go back and be like, well, you know, he died either on the way out. Somehow he died. We just don't have the body for him. Yeah. We dumped him over, you know, gave him a burial at sea or whatever. <laughs> okay. So it turns out Ritter's nice after all. We were all so wrong about him. Is he, though? He's nice when it serves his own interest. You stole my line. Uh, Well, Zach stole mine, the enemy of the gates line, so no, steal his. It's a mutual stealing. Yeah. Yeah. So here's where Secretary Clay is at a restaurant in D.C. There we go, yes. And and again, he's watching a newscast, so that's why I conflated the two scenes. Mm -hmm. So he goes to the bathroom, and John sneaks up in the bathroom. And John tells him what the deal was, that they weren't supposed to survive. And Clay mm. tries to pin it on director Dillard. Yeah, and, well, I almost believed it for a second there, because yeah. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh and my goodness. And then John mentions, and talks about, actually, I had to rewind this of time, because I thought that Clay mentions the explosive vest. And there's like, oh, but, and then John was going to be like, oh, but I never said anything about an explosive vest. But it was, it was the other way around. It was kind of right. that, but variation, where... Mm-hmm. John mentions the explosive vest, and Secretary Clay has zero reaction to it. And then he mentions that, yes, but Greer never mentioned the explosive vest in your report, so you shouldn't have known anything about it. So it's it's, it's almost that thing, but a variation of it, but I liked it, because I always yeah. appreciate that in a movie. Even though it's kind of a cliche, I like it. It was interesting, because he says, I told you about that, and you didn't seem surprised. And I was like... You didn't seem surprised. Is that really the kind of evidence that you would sentence a man to die in a river over? Well, if you don't really care about evidence, but your own satisfaction. Yeah, I guess he turned out to be correct, but still. Yeah, so he like they have a very brief scuffle and then John gets him in like a sleeper hold, knocks him out Uh and then puts Clay in a car and makes him you tell him, you know, why? And like even like, why is this happening? Make some vague threat to Clay's kids. Mm-hmm. And then Clay has this whole big speech about who won World War II. It was the economists. Well, it was the industrialists, I yeah. feel, is what he was going for. It's like the military-industrial complex thing all over again. America needs an enemy to spend money on, which I always thought was silly, because we don't need the Soviet Union to spend money on the defense budget. I mean, give me a break. It was an interesting point that he made that basically it's like, you know, big country means big enemies, and the biggest enemy there ever was was Soviet Union. But now, you know, we're not focused... We're so focused on fighting each other that we don't come together a country. It's basically the Watchmen argument. It's it's Ozymandias' pl- uh-huh. plot yeah. of the end of Watchmen. He was trying to prevent a nuclear war, and this guy just wants to make money. It's a little bit different. Does he want to make money? I don't think he necessarily wants to make money, but he just wants to put himself in that mindset of we need a, uh, a, a, an en- a big enemy to bring us together. I think that's what his 
his plan was. Yeah, I, I, I'm right. with, with Christian on that one. It's like, I don't think monetary gain was his uh, thing, but it was more of... I mean, if, we, if it was, we probably would have heard more about, you know, him having holdings in military, you know, uh, okay. contractors yeah. or something like that. Right. But, I mean, also with him being the Secretary of Defense, you know, that gives him more budget, that gives him more True. power, that gives so him more influence. So maybe money budget-wise, but not necessarily his personal, you know, money. Right. But it would definitely increase his level of influence probably within... Um, uh -huh. I mean, he's already sacked out, so he's already up there to begin with. Yeah. Like the man said, <laughs> poor man wants to be rich, rich man wants to be king, king won't be satisfied until he rules everything. Though I do think it's funny that a bunch of people who want to start a war with the Soviet Union are the bad guys in this movie, considering Tom Clancy was such a cold warrior. <laughs> I guess we'll, and we'll talk about this more when we get into how the book was different from the movie. But I think, I think it's sort of tr trying to get that Cold War feeling with the you know, Russian bad guys still, mm -hmm. but placing it into a modern context. Yeah, old Tom would have been proud to have a story where Russians are the bad guys yet again. <laughs> John hears all this and decides, all right. I'm gonna drive you off a bridge, which mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out because I don't think this was such a, this part was filmed in DC because like that looks like no bridge that I can think of in DC with those kind of railings. Yeah, definitely not. I thought it looked vaguely like the Georgetown Bridge, but you are right that the railings are different. The railings are different. Like I think it was maybe it was supposed to be there, but mm -hmm. it did not look like it. So DC, mm -hmm. I don't think there's any bridge here where you there are railings where you could just drive through them like that. I would be yeah. scared. But so he does as they're going down into the water. He's like telling him, you know, you know, my wife's name was Pam. You're gonna say it before you die. And mm -hmm. Clay shouting Pam's name, using up all his oxygen as he does so, and then drowns. Yeah, as... he drowns in like ten seconds. And John is very calmly like holding his breath. I thought it would have been kind of cool if Secretary was like, no, mm -hmm. if if he was like, screw you, like. I don't know. I just yeah. hate how yeah. bad guys are like wimps in movies. Oh, no death, dignity and death kind of thing. Yeah, but whatever. Anyway, so and as it looks like he's passing out, John is you know, having a dream about his wife and a conversation, you know, is this heaven? Yeah, there's a white light and a rainbow, which I was like, eh, ah. rainbow, very funny, very funny. I don't think they were actually going to do it later. I wondered when I first I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. No, that was terrible. Okay. Anyway, so we next go to a joint funeral for John and Pam, seemingly. Yes. Like yeah. Tom Sawyer, he got to attend his own funeral. Oh, yeah. That's the total deal, 21 gun salute. Was this supposed to be Arlington Cemetery? Probably. Probably. Yeah, I would say so. And Greer gets the flag, and I was like, yeah. didn't have any other family? Doesn't seem no. like, doesn't seem like, like, I guess the other guy, like, the guy who was there, like, they were talking to, I don't think he was mm. a relative, I think he was just a friend. Like, the who was the in party. the very beginning, yeah, I think that was probably, yeah, just his friend, so I don't think, doesn't seem like they had any other family. Yeah, also the friend is like, you think combat is bad, just imagine having a kid. Oh, Which I forgot about that he line. probably was like a military buddy or something. Yeah. Did like okay. how John says, I thought there'd be more people at my funeral. Yeah, we also get a little flashback of the underwater car. John was rep rescued by a scuba diver and mm -hmm. Ritter. Apparently he made was he had a waterproof recording device. <laughs> sure, why not? He's a Navy SEAL. And had like recorded everything Clay said. And Ritter plays that to one of his higher-ups who we don't actually see their face. It wasn't the director, though, so someone. Mm -hmm. And it says, like, I need a favor. And so we go to Union Station, D.C., which looked like it was actually Union Station. Oh, it absolutely was, yes. Yeah. As someone who spent a lot of time there, uh -huh. <laughs> it was the fancy main 
entrance, yeah. which uh -huh. if you're getting there on the Metro, which almost everybody does, you're not going to see it. No. Greer gives John his new legend and says that your your buddy Ritter, you know, got you this for you. And his new name, John Clark. Hey, it all comes full Yay. circle. And he says, uh, what are you going to do now? I'll do what I'm best at, disappearing. Yes, except he doesn't disappear, as it turns out. Well, he does for a year. Actually, I was wondering, Zach, if you were going to miss this after credit scene. You know, they sort of took their sweet time. <laughs> But I suspected that there was going to be one. I had a feeling there would be. But I just, I'm just i just remembering back to, I think it was The Spy Who Dumped Me, where there's an yeah. after credit scene that's all like, maybe like two seconds after the credits start, and you yeah. missed it entirely. So I was like, this like not a lot of spy movies, unless they're like Marvel movies or something like that. Not, they don't always have after credit scenes. So I was, I was wondering if you were going to pay attention for one. Yeah, but movies post-2015 seem to love having them. True, true. Anyway, you so got to around. We get our nice after credit scene. I liked it. Right at the Washington Monument, and it's one year later. Mm -hmm. Ritter is now... Well, John calls him director, but I'm wondering if it's like... It's his, like, actually director of the CIA, or is like direct de deputy director of, of operations like he was in uh, Clear and Present Danger. Probably mm. DDO. Mm. Would you still call him director, though? Yeah, sure. Okay, interesting. Okay, I, I don't know what the protocol is, so I was just kind of curious. And John said he's been thinking about, you know, what happened, how it could happen again. Very Nick Fury. I'm putting the team together. Okay, so you know I love my Rainbow Six yeah. games, and I'm really excited for Rainbow Six series. That was undermined slightly. I didn't like that he was like, we want people from the U.S., Britain, and NATO countries. Because uh -huh. I was like, come on, it's supposed to be international, not just NATO. Hmm. If I remember correctly, weren't there? Didn't they have a Russian? Yeah, Russian Federation is part of it too, and some South American people. Yeah, I think some Saudis too. Which that Whatever. Was, that was where they actually supposedly was getting the name Rainbow from. It was like it was a Rainbow Coalition. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, not yeah. from some <laughs> near death experience. Vision. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the other thing I don't like that it was stupid that that's where he where he came up with the name because he saw a Rainbow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I liked it because I. I wasn't expecting it after credit scene. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna fast forward just in case. Mm -hmm. And I saw and I found it. And I, and you know, it felt like Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man One. Totally. But I liked how you know, all of a sudden you know, he was he was gone for a year, you know, whatever, hasn't had contact with anybody. But all of a sudden he shows back up at, at DC at night, talks to Ritter. Looking very cool in all black yeah, and like, with glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's telling him, Hey, I'm putting a team together. Uh -huh. Like, and you, I want to present it to the president. Yeah, and I'm going to run you it. to tell anybody that you're going to do anything. Right. Uh, yeah, he's got think, his confidence. But I also think, uh, and Zach and I were talking about this earlier, um, I think they missed a huge opportunity here. Oh? Because, um, man, this is supposed to be like a backstory of mm -hmm. everything. And, you know, there is a significant relationship between Jack Ryan and... Yeah, Clark, okay, yeah. That when he disappeared or whatever, you know, been like, you know, you're, this is your new identity... Uh, so on and so forth, um, and be like, well, where are you going to go? He's like, well, you know, I don't really know. And he's like, have you ever been to Colombia? <laughs> and that yeah. was why he was been in Colombia for all those years. Uh, that makes sense, yeah. Danger. But no. I was wondering if there would be any sort of tie-in, like other than uh, obviously <laughs> having Pam Greer be the niece of Jim Greer. Not Pam Greer. What was her name? Karen Greer. Karen. Pam Greer is the actress. Yeah, from black exploitation movies. <laughs> yeah, these Amazon Jack Ryan feel like reboots, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're not acknowledging the Harrison Ford era. Yeah, oh, obviously, I mean, obviously not. But I'm just saying, I'm wondering if there would be 
ties between the two of those, between the uh, John Krasinski, Jack oh. Ryan tears, and, and this and, and, one. And that's, that's kind of what I, I was hoping for, because in season two of... He goes to Venezuela? Yeah, it, it yeah. has very clear and present danger-esque vibes yeah. to it. And there was a character that seemed like he could have been... Right, and I think they, it probably would have been this. if they weren't making this movie. Mm. Yeah. Because they're made by the same studio, like Skydance and Paramount, I'm hoping that they can tie in together. That, I think that would be fun. And to see Michael B. Jordan play off against John Krasinski, I think would be pretty cool. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Now I we're talking. I Jesus out of that. Yeah. All right. So that was the movie. So let's get into our spy fact versus spy fiction. I think, Zach, you have a few things? Yeah, I have a few things that occurred to me while I was watching. The first is, are there any female Navy SEALs? According to Distractify.com, until January 2016, women weren't allowed to serve in combat roles at all. However, 18 months later, two women made history when they enlisted as the first female candidates trying to join the SEALs. Right, I remember that. One was trained to be a SEAL. The other one was a SWCC, or Special Warfare Combatant Craft Crewman. So I guess someone who drives the Zodiac. Uh, Neither of them made it, though. Uh, And then another woman in 2018 was able to reach the end of the SEAL Officer Assessment and Selection course. So I guess mm -hmm. she wanted to be an officer. Although she passed the course, she wasn't selected to be a SEAL. However, there are two women Army Rangers. Yes. So if the movie had been about Army Rangers instead, that could have worked, but whatever. Special Forces is is Special Forces. I mean, I could see, you know, obviously we do have females who are now Rangers and so on and so forth. That, you know, in a fictional world, no, I don't see why there wouldn't be a um, a female seal now at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just wondering about that. So next is, what about leaking the identity of real life Navy SEALs? And then I found on May 14th, 2021, this is like breaking news. Wow, okay. This week, American Military News reported a Green Beret named Peter Raphael Dzabinski Devins 48, of Gainesville, Virginia, admitted to divulging military secrets to Russia for 14 years. Jeez. Yeah. One of the things he did was he provided the identity of his special forces unit to Russia so that Russia could recruit them as spies, according Whoa. to Assistant Attorney General John C. Demers. Wow. You heard about that story, Lance? Yeah, that actually, um, well, at least in my story, it's, it's a little old by now. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that was shocking. That, that was rather devastating. Mm. Wow, that is crazy. And then finally, I was thinking about dirty seals, like the part where they talked about how the seals were involved with crime. In April 2017, according to Newsweek, CBS Evening News reported that Navy SEALs are dealing with a, quote, staggering drug problem that resulted in a safety stand down and a stern warning because SEALs had tested positive for marijuana, cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, and methamphetamines. They were able to avoid detection because they were often working overseas and missed their mandatory drug trainings and drug tests on base. Interesting. I think the difference there is I think what they were trying to allude to in the movie was that uh-huh. the SEALs were actually part of the drug trade themselves. Oh, whereas, okay. whereas this is, they were definitely more of the, put it in IT terms, the end user. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't find anything about SEALs working in the drug trade, but I guess I could have looked harder than five minutes on Google. All right. So I know that this is probably a vast difference, but it, briefly, what are some of the big differences from the book and the movie? Well, it, it's kind of hard to, to begin um, because the movie, with the exception of a few key plot points, which they roughly translated, the book is completely different. Um, okay. Uh-huh. 
but at the same time, it kind of had to be because <laughs> the book actually is supposed to take place in the early seventies. Ah, uh, where you know Don Kelly, he he was a Navy SEAL. He comes home. Uh, he's in lives in Baltimore. Okay, uh, and he does lose his pregnant wife, um, mm. but her name was Patricia, hmm. and she was killed in a car accident. Oh. He does eventually start a relationship with uh, a hitchhiker. Uh, her her name was Pam Pamela. Oh. Um, and as it turns out that she was kind of a runaway, uh, she was being used by some of the gangs in um, in Baltimore uh, as both a prostitute and a drug mule. Hmm. And so she was on addicted you know, to various drugs. Well, they start up a relationship. Okay. And John he he knows a, a couple people, so he. Put, basically puts her through rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, weeks go by, everything's fine. They've got a great relationship. Well, they're driving uh, to uh, one of her rehab appointments when one of her old pimps in Baltimore rec- sees her in the car. And so there's this car chase. And this is where actually where, where John gets shot with the shotgun. Uh, okay. Basically left for dead. Pam uh, is captured. At this point, she's not pregnant. This was the other wife that was pregnant. But she's captured, and she is brutally uh, tortured, uh, gang-raped, um, and then they kill mm-hmm. So that was hit. Clark, uh, well, he's not Clark yet still. Uh, Kelly uh, recovers, uh, but then he goes on like a John Wick vendetta against the various uh, drug gangs in, in Baltimore. Okay. Uh, very ruthlessly. In fact, one of the ways that he kills uh, one of um, Pam's former pimps uh, to get information about his higher up, uh, he throws him in a decompression chamber. Oh, very similar to License to Kill, as yeah, Zach pointed out, um, and does the same thing. Leaves him to slowly die in, in there. It it's very, the book is very violent and it's very brutal in its description of it. Um, yeah, sounds very different from other Tom Clancy books too. It, it is, um, but while this is going on, there's another subset to it where. In the movie, they went to go rescue uh, this CIA operative that, or whoever had been captured. Mm-hmm. In the book, um, keep in mind, this Vietnam is still going on. Oh. There's an Air Force pilot, uh, a colonel, that gets shot down uh, and captured. Um, but this colonel has significance because he was working with uh, then Strategic Air Command, which is now STRATCOM. Um, and so he knows all these different you know, nuclear operation plans, strategic plans, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And so the Soviets send a KGB guy to interrogate him. But the CIA and the DOD are trying to put together a team to go extract this guy, which they find Clark, bring him back on the team. And so he goes in. Well, that team is also compromised by a mole um, (laughs) within you because there's always got to be a mole. Of course. Mm. But they eventually manage to get the guy out um, and so on and so forth. Uh, then later on, Clark comes back uh, and he resumes his um, anti-drug campaign his way in All Baltimore. Right. But he is eventually um, discovered and they figure out who he is. And you'll never guess who the um, officer they send to that is investigating all these murders, who arrests him. And he Zach guesses, Ryan. No. Ritter. But, but you're close. King Chavez. No, it's Emmett Ryan, who is... Uh, Jack Ryan's dad. Oh. Just remember, Ryan's dad was a police officer. Right. Okay. So he, he eventually tracks down Kelly on his boat. And then, you know, Kelly, you know, admits to everything. 
you know, yeah, this is why I did, you know, this is why I did it. But he's like, you know, I, I got like one more thing I, I need to do. Um, can you give me just one more hour and then I will turn myself into you. And yeah. Emmett Ryan being like, you know, granted, you did murder people, but they were all really bad. <laughs> and I get why. He gives them the hour. And during that hour, he basically fakes his own death. Oh, okay. And um, John Clark does? Yeah. Or John Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Um, and he goes on his boat, he capsizes it, and makes him think that he's dead. Uh, however, that is when um, Admiral, Admiral Greer and... I was wondering uh, when you come into it. Okay. Yeah, recruit him um, into uh, the CIA as... Um, John Clark, and where Clark knows Greer from is the operation that was going to go down to rescue the, the pilot. The pilot, both uh, Greer and Ritter were in charge at Greer being the intel guy on it and Ritter being the, the operations guy. Okay, all right. <laughs> I see. Interesting. Yeah, okay, I'd... so yeah, that is a very different story, but I can see how there's like elements of it that are the same. Right. Like, Adam, definitely. Adam. It's in the same way that like the new Jack Ryan bo- uh, TV shows are not a direct adaptation of any of the books, but they have a lot of the essence and spirit of some of them. Yeah, you can definitely see, especially like I said in that second season, um, you great. can see the influence that Clear and Present Danger so has. I have, I think I have like two or three episodes of that left. I need to finish it. But yeah, all right. Shall we get into our favorite quotes then? Uh, yeah. Does anyone want to go first? Uh, I'll go. Okay. So I liked uh, it was in the very beginning where it's Ritter talking, or I, th- I forget what the John says, and then Ritter says, "You're a bit of a comedian, is that it?" And one of the other people says, "No, he's just a smartass." No, wait, that's not right. I'm the smartass. He's more of a badass. Mm-hmm. I also liked, you know, on a different note, as you know, John says, "I'll show them what a pawn can do to a king." Yeah, and then he doesn't, which I appreciated. And then oh. he realizes that, oh, I wasn't, you know, he wasn't a king. He was just another me. <laughs> yeah, but he's a little overconfident, yeah. so it worked. Yeah. I liked, yeah. And I also liked, you know, you messed up when they send a motorcade. And then U.S. Marshal says, buddy, they're going to write songs about all the shit you messed up. Yeah, I like that one because A, he calls him buddy. Yeah. And B, it's like writing songs about him. That's such an anachronism. It's like, it's, or it's very Klingon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that too. All I guess right. if they had tried to make it modern, he could have been like, buddy, they're going to make TikTok videos about all the <laughs> stuff you messed up. Uh, all right, Lance, do you want to go next? Actually, I have I have two. Okay. Um, okay. One of them, because no, I have two kids myself, I thought was particularly funny. When uh, Kelly and uh, Pam go back to the house after their party at their friend's house, mm-hmm. and he, he looks at, at Pam and he's like, so how's my girl? <laughs> and she's like pregnant you should try it and he's like well actually i was talking to the other girl i, just, mm. I thought that was kind of funny yeah. Um, yeah but my other one was right after um i think they have the brief at the, at the i'm assuming was C- cia area or maybe even at the pentagon mm-hmm. where um oh what was it what did she say exactly oh we're um where Karen Greer look, looks at Ritter and he's like, you know, how come you know, both the times in my life when my role has gone to complete shit, you're standing in the middle of it? And he's just like, yeah, I'm lucky like that, I guess. Nice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of clever banter between them. 
I have one. Speaking of that, I think it might almost have been from that same scene when Greer says, these are your toe tags. I thought that was kind of a cool mm-hmm. line. And then right before the plane gets tagged by the missile, the two effectively nameless Navy SEALs, they do have names, but we never get to know them that well, have an exchange where one of them says, what did you dream about? And the other one says, you. Right. Which <laughs> felt like the kind of thing that soldiers would say to each other. It felt very real, so I like that. All right, now it's time for our ratings on a scale of one to ten martinis. One being the Avengers with Uma Thurman, still the worst movie that we have covered <laughs> so far, and ten being even better than Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. How would we rate without remorse? I can go first. Sure. Okay. I thought this movie was okay. I actually found the action to go on a little too long. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit boring. I guess all the actors did a good job, but there wasn't too much to grab me here. It felt like a streaming service movie. So I will give it a five out of 10 martinis. Wow. All right, Lance, do you want to go next? Sure. Again, as I've had to do with a lot of the other Clancy movies that that we've talked about, completely disassociating myself from the book. I was was definitely entertained by it. I thought, you know, the the acting, like Zach pointed out, was, was done very well. Some of the, the plot points I definitely appreciated. Um, I will agree with, with Zach, so write this down like twice in the same podcast. <laughs> I'm agreeing with Zach on something. That the action at the end maybe was a bit gregarious. But, you know, overall, uh, and again, I thought they missed a huge chance to try to tie it in with the Jack Ryan series, uh, which I w- really would have loved to have seen. Um, so all that being said, I'm going to go, I'm debating between six and a half and seven martinis. I'll go with seven since Zach rated it so low. All right. All right. I don't know, because I'm not always into revenge stories, although I will say, like, since I have getting a dog, the John Wick series hits a little bit clo- closer. <laughs> well, as revenge <laughs> movies go, those are, like, the top tier. Yeah. So I'm, I, I do love those. But other, other times, revenge stories don't always get me. But this, I will say, I was invested in, you know, his story. And I thought it was well done. I like the action. Like, there were, yes, I guess, uh, one thing, once they get into that building and it keeps going, I was, like, like Zach, I was like, oh, is this just going to be the rest of the movies I'm just getting out of there? So I was, did run a little bit long there to me. But for the most part, I enjoyed the action. And I also... I think I wasn't necessarily disappointed that there wasn't a Jack Ryan time because I didn't expect there to, one, to be one just yet. But the way this movie is set up, it makes me hopeful for one. And so I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to be right in the middle of you guys. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like the top tier for me. Yeah. That's fine. The Rainbow Six setup was exciting, but I'm going to save my excitement until it actually happens. <laughs> Fair. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for joining us, Lance. We will be seeing you later this year for Clear and Present Danger. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for definitely having me. Um, you know, these are always so much fun to do, and I, I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Oh, you want to know a, a real quick trivia question? Sure. Especially we keep bringing up um, a certain movie. When the book came out, um, when it was originally going to be a movie, do you know who the actor that they initially offered the role of John Clark to? Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. I did read that. It down. <laughs> Wait, that would have been interesting. Wait, the Without Remorse movie? Yeah. No, when, like, well, not, in not the like nineties. Yeah. Right? They were this. They've been trying to make this into a movie for literally decades. Like mm. even after the right after the book came out, and one of the the first person that they offered the role to was Keanu Reeves. 
I can see that. That would be, well, like I what can. year would that would have, what year would that have been? It would have been around the era of like speed. That's huh. my guess. Yeah. Let's see. Um, 1995. When did speed come out? Uh, that was like around that 94, maybe? Or 93? 1994 was Speed. Yeah. Okay, so it would been right after Speed, so... Yeah. And apparently... They I guess also... as, a, as a young John Clark, I could, I could see it. It'd be interesting. And apparently also, uh, in a different version... Because uh, this movie's been written and rewritten several different times. Mm-hmm. And apparently Lawrence Fishburne and Gary Sinise were also... Interesting. You know, a, a approach to do it. All right, but that that never even made it to fun, fun, interesting. It's always interesting to hear some of these things, like oh. just like. Yeah. And guess guess who else was apparently when they, I guess they looked and remake it back in 2012. Oh, and they talked to Tom Hardy about doing it. <laughs> oh, Tom Hardy, interesting. But 2012 it, it, was that before or after this means war? Hmm. His spy movie. I'm His gonna spy go with romance. <laughs> But if they'd gotten Tom Hardy, he would have to have been like this the whole... Yeah, that had to have a thing on his face. It's a requirement. Oh, this means War came out in 2012, so it would have been that era Tom Hardy, which we will cover someday in the future, because that I have that is a weird one. All right, I like Tom Hardy. Well, thank you guys for joining us. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.